Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, and I have an incredible couple with me today. So that's a double dose treat, not just one magical soul, but two magical souls. I have Dave Gold and Julie Reeves with me today. And Dave is going to take us on a little adventure of his transformative journey. And we'll get into what he does, but he's many things. He's an author, a lawyer, that's so sophisticated, a lawyer. Every time I say the word lawyer, I think, oof. That's, that's so much. There's just so much that comes with that. But on top of that, he's an author, and I've studied his book, yeah. After the Absolute, this is the best part, Real Life Adventures with a Backwoods Buddha. I mean, you would want to just read it just for the title, which you should. So you should go on Amazon or you can go to Dave's website, which I'm putting in the show notes so you can grab a copy. But Dave does something really amazing um, because, and, and it's close to my heart because I'm an empath, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a business person. <laughs> and he helps those folks um, to do something I think that is such a suffering that is pervasive, which is help people with self-doubt and self-sabotage. And and it is a real thing. It's so relevant. Anybody who's listening can can relate to in some way, shape or form, whether it's near to you or, or adjacent, you know, and, and people that are near to you, um, who have experienced one, both, um, and Julie is joining him today. She's a healer as well. And so she'll join in and talk about the, the transformative journey, but welcome both of you from North Carolina today. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Just, we just like to watch you smile and talk. I mean, yeah. you, you the whole time, we're just taking you in. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so I did go, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I did have a dental cleaning appointment yesterday. Oh, okay. You didn't have to so. do that for us, but thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they may have used, you know, they do, they polish my teeth twice. So I'm hoping there's the, that that will just carry on through the week. There's something about when you leave the dentist, like your teeth are 
extra clean because they use yeah. all those weird tools and stuff. Yeah. So um, maybe I'm just very proud of my, <laughs> my dental experience. Well, tell them they did a great job. Yeah. I'll call up a Dr. Kim and let him know tomorrow that I got some good feedback on his work. Yeah. Hollywood Dental here in Las Vegas. And they didn't pay me to do that ad. Um, <laughs> um, but Dave, you know, as I as I studied your journey, you you had a few you have had a few different you know parts and pieces to it from the from the legal warrior spiritual you know journey that you went on, and um, then some challenging things happened, and then of course you met Julie. So why don't you take me through? your experience and then we'll we'll eventually get to where where you are and what you're doing today but i'd i think i think the listeners would would love some uh adventure today <laughs> well there it's an event you know i got 70 years under my belt so i'm gonna i'm gonna shorten it because people don't have that long to listen <laughs> um so I'll give him the elbow yeah, if it gets too long. <laughs> nice thing about just having it from the waist up. You can't see the kicking that's going on from the waist up. So I, well, you know, it's funny. I, I never want to tell the same story twice because it's always fresh. And I don't want it to be a story. I want it to be my experience. And as I said on my, on my website, I, I thought that my life was a, was a spiritual adventure, which it was, you know, I wrote a book about it. It's funny. You've probably been able to get further in the book than Julie. Julie can't read it. She'll talk more about it. She she sees how much I suffered, and she just loves me too much to go back and think, oh, that poor that poor guy, what was he thinking at the time? Um, I haven't finished it. It's true. I have not finished his book. No, I, I don't take it personally. I, I take, will someday. I take it as an act of love that she loves me too much to do it. But I, I chose a very difficult path. We'll get to that. And, and, and that has been 40-plus years of my life when I identified myself as a spiritual warrior or seeker or whatever the heck it was, adept student, you know, I, and I was serious. I mean, I, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it started in 1973 and, and really that journey ended in, in 2013 when I met Julie and there was nothing left to seek for. It was no, well, there's no point in taking on the identity of someone that was lacking something. Let's put it that way. So I had a deep sense of lack and, um, and inadequacy as many people do. And, and you talk about self-doubt and self-sabotage and that's, those are two of the byproducts or the, you know, they come with that thing. When you don't feel you're enough, you're always doubting yourself. And even if something comes your way, you think I don't deserve it. I'm not ready for it. You know, not yet. Let me polish up the, you know, I call it cleaning up for the maid. You know, I got to get, I got to get better before the good things start to come your way. So that was a, that was a big part of my life. But also I've always been interested in business or, or drawn to business. And one of the things and I, I mentioned in my book that when I finally got a taste of spirituality from what I you know, referred to at the time as spirituality from the man that I accepted as my first teacher, I wanted to quit. I didn't want anything. I, I thought this, this surpasses everything. There's nothing I'm ever going to generate externally that's going to give me the same peace that I would be trying to create by you know, acquiring things. Mm -hmm. And you're not meant to be a wood chopping monk. So I've had this dual path. And now it's not so weird. You know, you're, you're living, you're an empath, you're living it too. You're in the world, but at the same time, there's a part of you that's always yours. There's a part of you that's always in touch. There's a part of you that's always in tune. And now there's much more of a space for that. But when I was doing it, especially being a, a trial attorney in a corrupt West Virginia town, there wasn't, it was a double life. And I lived these, I lived these two lives very, very strongly. And I don't want anyone to live 
in, in, in duality, you know, duality sounds like, you know, a little pretentious. I don't want people to live divided lives. I don't want people to feel they, you know, people are trying to balance different. It's not about balance. There's a unity that comes. And that unity, you know, I could talk more about the journey if, if we wish, but I, you know, I could, I'd, I'd fast forward. To, so anyway, I had these years and I built this very successful law practice, which I sold in 1993. And I had a book. I wanted to write that book, among other things. And I think I'd also run my course with my, with the man, with the man I accepted as my teacher at the time. And I ended up in North Carolina as an entrepreneur and built a software with a, not alone, but with some of the other founders built and sold a software company. And, and then when, after I sold that, I thought, well, my God, you know, let's get married. So I did, I, I took a shot at that and, and got married and had a child, adopted a daughter and, and really still found myself feeling inadequate, feeling like it didn't matter what, what success I had, even in terms of, of some type of spiritual awakenings or attunements that I had still didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they, were, they weren't feeding some essential division that I had within myself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I met Julie and, you know, we can, we can talk, I don't know how you want to, you know, structure that. I love to go to the back of the book because I, there's nothing I love more than to talk about how much I, this woman has changed my life. But when Julie came into my life, that's when I think for the first time in my life, I stopped doubting myself. Wow. You know, I didn't totally stop. I mean, the doubt's always going, I'm wired a certain way. You know, I got 4,000 years of people that just kept <laughs> doubting <laughs> and wandering in various deserts, you know. So <laughs> that's not going to, that's not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I'm cured. But fundamentally, when a love beyond my dreams was revealed to me, and I saw this, this woman of such stature and grace and beauty and depth and integrity who saw me and loved me and for who I was and what I was, then I could no longer hang on to the same old self-image that I had. Mm-hmm. That has been, and so for, I, you know, it's, for everyone, it's not going to be a Julie that's going to come into their lives. You know, when she came in at 62, when she come into 52, 42, 32, I might have just thought, oh, I'm not ready, you know, or sabotaged or whatever. But mm-hmm. she came in at the perfect time in my perfect, you know, in my life at the perfect time. But at some point, the perfection project needs to stop. The idea that I need to be something fundamentally different than I am before I can start living life, before I can start enjoying my success, before I can build a success that feeds my soul instead of killing it, you know, which is one of my taglines. Whatever it is that can open our heart enough that we can see past our own limitations, our own limited ideas, and our own unwillingness to step fully into the, the beauty and perfection of who we are, whatever that trigger is, I don't care what it is, but whatever it is, that's what I want for everyone because I suffered for 62 years and I don't, I don't, I'm not suffering now. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, if I drop a brick on my toe. Yeah, sure. I suffer, you know, or if I wouldn't, when I watch the Steelers go out, you know, in the playoffs, <laughs> but, but in terms of like just waking up and thinking, Oh my God, I got to live another day as myself. I can tell you does every day. I do get up and I can't believe the good fortune that I get to, I get another day on this planet. And that's not how I'm wired. And that's not how my people mm-hmm. are wired. We're wired to think, Oh my God, you know, where's the next pogrom coming from or where's the next, you know, whatever. And so I think part of it, and I'm going to be quiet now in a second. Cause I feel like I've talked myself out almost is that whatever it is for us to flip that switch and to be able to start appreciating the, the beauty that life is with all the anguish and all of the, you know, all of the things that come with, especially being an empath. And you know that, 
we hurt more than we hurt more than others. We see things mm-hmm. others see, and there's a sense of being alone because others don't see what we see and feel what we feel. Mm-hmm. But that door of empath is the door is the heart. And just like with you, I know that you, I can see in you and that your heart's so oh, your heart's been broken, you know, in different ways. But every time it breaks, it opens you up to greater capacity to love more, to be more, to give more, to manifest more. It's just who you are. So, oh, I I feel like I'm going to cry hearing you say that because, you know, one of the things I want to acknowledge, and then I want to ask Julia a question because I'm really interested how her perspective coming into your life and making such a big impact is is this. So, because you said she came into your life at 62. There's a lot of people listening, various ages. You know, I've interviewed everyone from a teenager to people who have decades and decades of experiences. And a lot of times, you know, there there is exactly what you described. Years of anguish, trauma, not feeling enough, bad relationships, bad business experiences, you know, losing everything, money, feeling like you lose time that you when none of us can get it back, it's gone, you know, and just hearing you talk is it helps us to understand that there is hope. It's, you know, not, not, it, it doesn't have to be this, you know, devastation of uh, just wallowing in the things that have happened to us or that we feel like we've struggled through. Or uh, I know I've had these dark moments of feeling just completely alone. Like you're the only person this terrible thing is happening to. And when you open yourself up and you become vulnerable and you connect with people, you realize how much you're not alone. So if you know, if you are someone listening and you've you've just gone through the ringer in life, just know that that there there is more and you are meant for more and there's just there is so much um that is beautiful uh, ahead. So I I just want to make sure to say that. Before we turn the microphone over to Julie, just on that, that in months before I met, oh, I guess about a year before I met Julie, I lost a million dollars of my own money in a company. I had a string of successes and literally it brought me to my knees, not just to lose that much money, but to lose. The second spiritual group that I was involved with, that I was on the board of directors and and, and quite invested in for a dozen years, turned out to be, the, the guru turned out to have feet of clay and my marriage fell apart. All of that, all of that happened at that point. And, mm-hmm. and you know, in the traditional literature, everything falls apart and, you know, whatever, the dark night of the soul. I'm not, I don't know what the correlation is between hitting bottom and then rising to the, to the heights. But mm-hmm. I know that, and you have it behind you. It's the born unbreakable. And I think that's why either consciously or subconsciously or semi-consciously you chose that. Because it's that unbreakable whatever you call it, spirit, trust, connection to something divine, to the connection to good, connection to goodness within yourself, the trust that life is bringing you something better. And I just want all the listeners, and I will be quiet, to know how fortunate, and I would dare use the word blessed they are to have you in their world who has this heart, has this experience, and has this mission and destiny to bring that message out, not just as a message, but as a living, you know, as yeah. a living through who you are. Thank you for that. So Julie, what was the magic? What what was it at the time that brought you to David and how did that change things for you and for both of you together as a couple? Hmm. Well, does 
you know, at first there didn't seem to be any magic. Um, and I say that, and as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I think, that's so not true. There was a ton of magic. It's I was going to kick her under the table. <laughs> <laughs> it just... In, in, in tradition, in some of the traditional ways, there wasn't, like, there was no chemistry between us. There was no spark. We had no idea that eventually we would, you know, be sitting here together as a couple. We had no, no clue of that at all. Um, we, he had been out of his marriage for four years, but I had only been out of mine for six months. And... So the last thing I was thinking was of recoupling. <laughs> I wanted to completely uncouple and have some time, you know, like this is what, you know, David was mentioning a little bit about we get these ideas about we need to be a better version of ourselves. Well, I thought I needed to end the marriage, be completely done, you know, go through all the healing that I needed to go through, work on myself, reclaim myself, reclaim what was lost, you know, all of that. I had all of these ideas. I also had two children. I wanted, I, my idea was, you know, like I'm an independent, strong woman. I'm going to raise them the rest of their, you know, their high through high school and maybe into college by myself. I don't need, you know, I don't want to be with somebody else. I, I had lots of ideas about what the rest of my life was going to look like or the, the rest of, you know, child raising years. Um, so when David just, you know, landed in my life at, after only six months, I thought I, I, it, I, it just didn't even occur to me. Um, the only hint I'll have, and I'll, I'll tell you this is that after we spoke on the phone for the first time, because that's how we met. We met on the phone. He was, I was moving, my family was moving from one city in North Carolina to another. And he was welcoming the new families into the class that my daughter was going to be in because his daughter was in the same class. So he was calling these new families, you know, as he says that names on a spreadsheet, he called me to welcome my family and see what he could, you know, how he could help us or whatever, whatever, however he was choosing to do that. I ignored him for a few weeks before I called him back because that's how, you know, I was preoccupied with other things. He was very insistent and persistent. Eventually we talked, it was very, lots of ease in the conversation. We were really comfortable with each other. We, we went deep fast. We, you know, I found myself telling him that I was separated from my husband of 19 years before I'd even told many of my closest friends. Um, because he's so easy to talk to. You can tell this about him, right? Yes. He goes deep fast. And um, I keep trying to pull him. He keeps getting out of the frame. And I keep kind of pulling that's him back I wanna, in. That's because I want to step back and admire her. as she's honestly. Right now he needs to All right. All right. Get on. This is the good. The story gets good here. Go ahead. Get so, some good parts. After, we, after I hung up the phone, I'm telling you, this is the hint that I had. But I didn't see it as that. When I said goodbye to him and hung up the phone, I was sitting at my desk and I was just staring straight ahead for a moment. And I heard really clearly in my head, I heard Julie Gold. But I had really, like, it, it did not register. What I thought to myself, because I've studied dreams a lot, I thought, I wonder what kind of gold Dave's going to bring into my life. And of course, he's he's brought lots of gold 
and you know we're we're legally married and we live you know we're having our lives together so it was both i didn't take his name though i'm julie reeves um maybe someday i'll be julie gold but she's not showing yet. that dreamer you can't push me around because... oh, that's right <laughs> So, so yeah, it didn't feel, you know, we didn't have that kind of magic, but we became friends. And I would say the way I thought of us was like spiritual brother and sister. You know, he was a man who'd been on, on the kind of spiritual path that you read about, you know, that people write books about that he did write a book about. Um, I had my own, you know, my, my story is way much, much different than that. But I, but I had that same, you know, belief and um, this, this inner knowing, and maybe even a, like, it's like an inner compass that guided me in my life on a path that's not the normal prescribed path. You know, it, it was a little bit different than the prescribed path. The, the things that I chose to do, I chose I did them because they fed me and my heart and my soul, not because it's what was going to bring me, you know, fame, fortune, success in the, in the, in the common way, um, the traditional way. But so, yeah, so, you know, there were, but there were things about those early days of us in our friendship days that were magical, that were really, you know, sometimes we can't believe them ourselves. Um, yeah. But again, this was just with us as friends. Um, and then, I mean, do you want to talk about that? Should we talk about the specifics of that? Or I mean, how 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 wild do you want? You want an adventure? Uh, yeah, I want an adventure. So I'm behind us. Well, wherever you want. Yeah, well, and and at what point? Because you you obviously developed this friendship. There was this connection. There was this, you know, understanding of journeys that you've both been on, despite differences. How, at what point did you decide that you were going to make a life together? That you were going to go from friendship to something more than that? Well, I'll tell you, Des, we really didn't have a choice. I mean, it was barely a choice. What happened was that. That I loved I loved you trying to language it, and I'm thinking she ain't gonna. There's no way anybody's gonna be able to language this baby. Go ahead, just lay it on. Over the course of a few days, the way I describe it is that um, the door to our love was opened and our love was revealed. So we went in the three day period of time. We went from just being friends, as as far as we knew, that was it, to knowing that we would spend the rest of our lives together. In a three-day period of time, three days. Mm-hmm. And three days where we weren't together. And three days, three days is a bit of an exaggeration. It was really by the end of the second day we knew we would spend the rest of our lives together. But we just we were apart, so we had to make sure that we had chemistry. <laughs> that, that was the third day when I when I flew back home. And so oh, okay, that you know, makes the sense. Third day we we kissed and realized there was chemistry, and then then we knew for sure. And um, it was so you know this is magical um and far from tr you know traditional but we it was like a door was open and we stepped across the threshold and on the other side of that threshold was our love fully formed eternal ever present and we just walked into it we just stepped into it 
We just said yes. That's a that's a book that you tuned yeah. to. And, and if I can, yeah, I will. Even if I can't, is you know I don't know how many what your demographics are like, but as a guy, I'm still thinking. Wait a minute, she's my friend. Okay, you know I don't want to. You know how it is. Sometimes you you miss you miss the signals and you screw up a good friendship or you know and, then, and oh my god, I'm not that kind of girl. You know that kind of stuff. And but it was so I just got happier. It wasn't even like oh my god, I'm happy because of what might be happening between us. I just was filled with an ecstasy, ecstasy every time we talk. I couldn't, I couldn't, when I wasn't on the phone, you know, I'm, I'm in a board meeting, I'm supposed to be looking at spreadsheets. I'm like a little guy, you know, like my stepson in, you know, in 10th grade, who's, you know, is on his phone when he's supposed to look at his math book or whatever. You know, I'm just constantly with her and I, all I can do is wait for the next moment when I can hear her voice. And I still in my mind can't think, wait a second, what's happening? You know, we're, we're friends. And then after, at the end of the second day, it was just so clear. And it, and I can tell you this, I never could have imagined. It wasn't like any happiness I ever thought of. I thought, oh, I'll get rich. I'll get famous. I'll get enlightened. I'll get, I'll get the woman of my dreams. You know, I'll get this and then I will feel that. I just felt. I just felt mm -hmm. phenomenal. You know, and I've had spiritual bliss. You know, it's not like I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I've had all kinds. This is an, and this is heaven. It was heaven on earth. And then, then the real question was, okay, I'm flying home from Denver to, to, to North Carolina. Let's see if there's any chemistry. Because it'll be really, this will be really funny if we have this thing, but we're still no chemistry. But she took the kids, you know, I, I met her after she dropped her children off at school and we kissed and the chemistry's great. <laughs> Lucky for that, you yeah. know, to have, to have such that intensity in such a short period of time. And I don't know if this is serendipitous. I started listening to this book. It's called Strength to Strength. Hold on. Let me make sure that I tell you the, uh, it's on my Audible. And it's by Arthur C. Brooks. He's a, he's a professor at Harvard. And I know he does a lot of other important things. So I'm sure there's much, many more credences I should be giving him to him. But what he, what he talks about is that there's like two channels that you experience. And what happens is that in the first half of your life, you're chasing after these, you know, a lot of what you've talked about here. And, and, and even when you talk about your, Dave, your, the marriage, the success, you had, you were a lawyer, and then you had the technology company you started and money. I mean, these are all things that, you know, we chase after money or fame or pleasure and but but it's fascinating because the author discusses how there's there's like an average expectancy on those things right there's like an expiration date mm -hmm. and so if that's what you're focused on chasing obtaining getting holding on to it will be short-lived and if you're looking for the secret to success or happiness, it's not that. Because after you've done the achievements, which for, for most different industries and professions um, is, happens in your 40s, then it's like that dopamine, you're not getting it anymore. So it doesn't matter how much more money you make or it's like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that it's just not fulfilling. Yeah. So he talked about in that second chapter, chapter or phase or second half of life, 
and it, it's it has to be faith, family, friendships, and service because that's that longevity. It's bigger than you. It's not just about, you know, um, big. And I do think that there is a sense of maturity and ego checking. And it was funny, Dave, reading about <laughs> your early days, because that's often what I think we battle through, right? When you're going through proving yourself, wanting acceptance, you want people to know how smart you are, how bright you are, how talented you are, so you can get validated and accolades, but then somehow the fulfillment of that just is not everlasting, you know? So I think it's, it's just a fascinating read, which I, you know, I just started, but that's kind of the essence of it. And I think it's just something good for us to, to understand because if you're in that earlier chapter or you're maybe you're not, pat, you're not at that, that prime or that peak, it, it helps you to think through, well, how do you want your legacy to be? How do you want that future to look after you've reached the, those, all of those milestones, stones, so to speak? Um, and of course, we don't have to do it in that order, right? Like, you know, I'm from a different generation than David, which I think afforded me a bit more freedom in that. Mm -hmm. And I hope very much that my children won't have to do it, you know, that they can skip a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't do nearly as much of that as he did. I, I felt a little more freedom to know I'm going to follow my heart, my path, my do my service more from the beginning. Now, here's the mm -hmm. thing. Life doesn't, life still didn't support that. I mean, not life, culture and society still didn't support that. And even my own mind and heart, well, not heart, but my own mind didn't support that. So even though that's the path that I walked, mm -hmm. I had all kinds of stories I told myself about how I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing the right thing. I should have been doing other things. You know, I didn't feel, and you know, we're all, all of us here are empaths. So we know, we feel, we feel other people's thoughts and feelings more than they maybe even are aware of feeling them themselves, right? Yes. So I could feel judgment from other people. I could feel, um, you know, the expectation from other people. Um, and then, of course, I had my own judgments of myself and expectations of myself that I wasn't doing the right thing. So, you know, that, that mars that path a little bit in some ways. And I hope that future generations, you know, you're young. Look at you. I, I, I feel, look at what you're doing. Like you're, you're by, you're, you're stepping past some of that stuff. You know, you're, you're getting right to the, the stuff that is meaningful, that is fulfilling. I hope that my kids can skip all of that. Or yeah. most, a lot of it. They're not going to skip all of it, but a lot of it and just go right to the second, you know, the second half. The yeah. second well, and I was gonna I was gonna ask you both too about your kids and how the the learning and the experiences that you've had change, if if at all, the way that you communicate with them when they're, you know, because they're gonna go through the things that, you know, you've gone through, whether it's heartbreak or, you know, some kind of experience in school or in business that is less than what they would have wanted. What how does that help you? be the guide for them 
Well, that that question just jumps right into our present moment. You know, I have <laughs> a son who's 17, my daughter's 20. Um, you know, my son, as David said earlier, is in his first romantic relationship, you know, meaning meaningful, reciprocated one. Um, my my daughter's a, you know, she hasn't found one special person, but she's gone, she's had relationships, she's had life experiences, she's in Italy right now on study abroad. She's had her heart broken by not feeling like she belongs, by not being able to find her what she feels like her path is. You know, why why do people not see me? You know, why can't people see me for who I am? Those kind of questions. And I just feel like my kids are so fortunate. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm the, I hit the jackpot in my life. You know, I really did. And my children are so fortunate to have David in their lives and have us as a couple. And, and of course, me as their mother because we have so much that we can offer them at such a younger age. Sometimes I think like, oh, am I giving them stuff that's a little bit too much at a young age? But no, I always answer myself, no. Because the younger that we learn these things, the better, the more that it just becomes ingrained in us and just part of how we see the world and how we act and are in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are able to give, our teens a bigger picture a bigger perspective of life than i mean we had to fight for that perspective in our own lives mm -hmm. no it didn't nobody gave it to us nobody told us about it we spent you know david spent decades with these spiritual teachers um trying to find that bigger perspective i spent decades of my own trying to find it because i knew it was there i could feel it but i didn't know what it was and now we have the words and we can just shout it out to our kids. Yeah. And yeah. And then, so here, this is interesting. It goes back to something I want to make a point, and I'm glad I can bring it. When you're talking about these different stages of life and stuff. And there's one way that I can look at, I could, you know, I call it turning the jewel because she's my jewel. And just mean like, you know, you look at a certain way and you turn the jewel a little bit and the light shines differently. And it's just beautiful to live life. But I just keep turning the jewel and seeing different realities being created. And one way I can turn the jewel and say I had to kind of punch myself out with spiritual success and business success and, you know, blah, 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 all those things. Right. And then once I was punched out, I could surrender and something bigger could come. And that you can turn the jewel that way. But the other way that I look that I see it now is I see the perfection. And this is what I, this is the gift that life's given us and that we give to others. And you give it too. is I want I just want everyone to see the perfection of their own life. You know, we look at you, we should see perfection. We don't see whatever awards, even if you didn't get your teeth, it would have been fine. We just don't, <laughs> we still be perfect. But, but the point is, is that I just see, oh my God, you know, yes, I spent 15 years of trial lawyer in a corrupt West Virginia town. But sometimes being a lawyer comes in handy. You know, sometimes having that skill set come. I had a software company and I was on the phones with the other sales rep making $100 a day. It was hell. And I can tell you, I can, I'm not afraid of the telephones, as, your wife, as my wife will tell you. know, I'm not. There's just so many things that that now that I've stepped into myself fully, that irrespective of how I chunk my life out into segments, mm -hmm. that it's it's all it's all here. It's all available. Everything. Just talking about the heartbreak. It's all available here, and it gets down. And I want to tie it into the children because what I have learned, and I've had a my daughter's been, you know, all children are challenging. My daughter's been 
it's, been, it's been quite a bit. It's been quite you know, been quite a challenging journey. And what I one the first thing is what we have to give them is our love. They know, you know, one of the reasons we both as committed people stepped out of our first marriage is we didn't want our kids to think this was the model for relationship. We had no way of dreaming that we could create this model for relationship, but they see it and they know it. And it's in their it's in their genes. It's just it's they they soak in our love. You know, they don't roll their eyes anymore. You know, they just really feel, oh, wait a minute. You know, they can't expect Ashley can't expect his 17-year-old girlfriend to be like my, you know, my my wife. But he sees, wait a minute, this is what authenticity looks like. This is what I and I watch him treat her and he has this in him and Julie's instilled it, but I I like I know I have part of it that he sees the respect and the integrity that he sees in that other person that he that he demands from himself and demands from her. So there's just the way that what we have to transmit is the love that we share. And for my own sake, and that's true for especially it's letting my daughter live her journey and to be there to give what I can give and to offer what I can give, but to not, I, I, I banged my head against the wall and made messes what seemed like messes trying to have her give the life that I thought that she should have. And that's not, yeah. her, that's not my choice. She has a different destiny. And so I think so much of what I'm giving to my daughter now is and to her children as well, in different ways is just, acceptance the same you can't you, you can't accept anyone else until you accept you i don't care you want to be less judgmental you, you're going to be just as judgmental as you are with yourself you're not going to be able to get any less judgmental with another human being and less self-accepting and self-loving than you can so the extent that i have that about with myself or whatever that's my relationship with myself that's the relationship that i have and that's where the security comes from you know you think the security comes from oh dad i know you'll always be there yeah i'll always be there but I'm always going to be, sometimes always being there means me stepping back and letting you take the steps that I wish you didn't have to take, but I know you have to take. And, her, and the confidence that I have in the perfection of her path, regardless of what it looks like, is a confidence that she can, you know, she can morph or instill in herself. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Uh, I want to ask you about the work you do today, but in listening to both of you, another question popped to my mind because I, I've, this is a present thing that I, that I see in relationships. And I'm curious your feedback, given your experience, which is I meet couples, including friends who do not feel like they're in the relationship they're they're meant for. They don't they don't describe it as you and Julie would describe your relationship. However, because they have kids, they'll say, you know, stay together for the kids because whatever the because is. There's lots of reasons why you could, people fill in their blank of what that is, but it's in, in, in short form, it's for the kids. And then their, their rationale becomes, well, you know, when they're 18, then we can, you know, figure out there's an, there be adult, they can understand there can be this transition. And there is a, there's some sort of process by which it's timed that these events will occur and it will somehow make better the, the situation and the feelings. And so, um, I let people be what they are and how, how they want to be, but I, 
I'm curious if if that is sustainable in in those situations. And I, I would love to hear feedback. You danced around that one so beautifully. I mean, you were you could you should have been a lawyer. Um, I I did this, so you know I I I have something to say about this. Um, I I love being a mother more than anything on the planet, you know, and, and I always, ex Dave, David and I have an agreement that we always exclude each other from this because I can't pick, you know, so he's in his own category. So, um, but, but I love being a mom and I was going to med school as a career changer in my mid thirties. And I gave that up to be a stay at home mom. I've never regretted that decision for a second. I, I just love it. I, I'm a natural mother. If my life ended at the end of today, I would say that I got everything that I wanted. Everything that I most wanted in my life, I have gotten. And that includes this man sitting right here next to me. And it includes my children and it includes being a mom and just soaking up every year of their lives, every moment that I can. So imagine then when I realized that this relationship with their father wasn't working and I realized that before my second child was born. But, you know, there's a step of realizations that happens for most couples who are going to and you know, who are realizing that their marriages aren't sustainable. It's usually not any one moment. It's almost always there's a whole bunch of little moments that lead you to that final time where you go, it's done. I have to move on. So I can tell you dozens of Oh, there was this moment. Oh, there was this moment. Oh, there was this moment. But the moment for me, and, and you know, let me just go back a second. I didn't want to miss out on any of my kids' childhood. I, I just, that fear of like, I'm going to have to send them off with their father and they're going to spend, I'm going to miss so much of their lives when I, I'm like, I can't get enough. Like I have this hunger to just, I want to bear witness to every moment of their lives that I can. I revel in it and it feeds me and it brings me such indescribable joy. So just the thought of not being able to do that, just, you know, I was stricken with fear. And that fear kept me in the marriage for a very long time. And I told myself all these same stories. Well, just wait till they're older. Wait until, you know, once they, maybe it'll be better in high school. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe that'll be okay. Or maybe we'll wait till they're done with high school. When they graduate from, and they go off to college, then we can split up, you know, all these different ideas that I had. But one of the final steps for me was realizing deeply in me. Now, people had told me this, so it's not like it was the first time I'd heard this, but it was the final time I needed to hear it. And that was that I realized deep in my being that I was the model that my kids were getting every single day for what relationship looked like. And I did not want them to have that a minute longer than they had already had it. And if that meant that I had to step you know, make that leap into the great unknown of what the future was going to look like. 
if that meant I had to risk that I would not be able to, you know, raise them the rest of their minority years the way I wanted to raise them with me in the picture all the time, I was willing to take that risk because we learn by modeling our entire lives long. It's the strongest, it's the most prevalent way that we learn our entire lives is by modeling. That doesn't stop when we turn 18 or, you know, 12. They were getting, I was modeling for them fear. You know, you stay in a relationship out of fear. I was modeling for them a really, you know, two people who were deeply unhappy and unfulfilled, but were staying together for some weird, you know, what do you, how do you make sense of that when you're a kid? Why are these people? And then how would I guide them when they were older, helping them know what to look for and what to not settle for when I myself had settled? Pot, meat, kettle. No, you know, (laughs) exactly. And so I took the leap. And it was scary. And it was scary for a long time, even afterward. You know, it was a terrible divorce. Um, I remember, you know, it reminds me of a therapist friend of mine once said, when, when she told me that before she'd become this wonderful therapist, that she had been a cocaine addicted, you know, and, and alcohol addicted 20 20 into 30 something person and she said if i had known at the time that i decided to stop drink you know stop drugs if i had known that i would lose everything everything the only relationship that she kept was her relationship with her mom she lost every other friend her job her town her house you know everything she said i never would have quit but fortunately, life doesn't let us know, you know, that there's a blessing in that. If, if I could have known how difficult and painful the journey would have been, I never would have done it. But I didn't know. I just knew I had to do it. And life was gracious enough to give me this man to journey through it with. She didn't know she was getting the next lawyer in the process too to live with and could get her through. And just you know, life and 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 something that I want people to know is, life really does want to give us more than we can imagine. It's just waiting. Life is just waiting to give each and every one of us more than we can imagine. For some of us, mm-hmm. you know, it's a love like David and I have. For other people, it's a dream career that they never could have imagined that fills them up every day. They can't wait to wake up in the morning. For some, it's friends, you know, friendships that are beyond what they can imagine. Children, parents, like, you know, there's an, the list is infinite. It doesn't have to work any one way. But for, you know, if we open our eyes, well, first of all, open our eyes to see, like, what is, what do I have in my life that I'm maybe not even seeing that is amazing? But also then open your heart and just receive whatever life wants to give you. And it may not come in the package that you think it's going to come in or even in the package you want it to come in or the timing, you know, David did not come at the time I wanted him to come in. It wasn't, you know, 
this, this isn't the time. No, this, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to be here now after just six months. But that's yeah. the time that it was. And if I, so one thing I got to say before I forget this is that I just yeah. feel so strongly that you're, this is what you, this is you. There's something so big and beautiful that is yours to have. And I just, I just want you to know, I, I would not lie to you. I would not speak it if I didn't feel it very strongly. So I, I just have to speak it in this moment, even though it's probably a little bit off topic, but it's never off topic. So just know that she's speaking directly to your heart right now into the truth of what you know. It, it means, it means so much. It really does because I, I often get the question, you know, why do you do this? This is so hard work, you know, um, doing a podcast and you do consulting and you have coaching clients and it just, it seems like it's so much work. I, I never call it work. I, I guess I just don't even see it that way. It's, it's, when something is a calling or a purpose, it's you do it because it is you. It's, it's not a, it's, it's hard to describe it, honestly, when I think sometimes I'm having conversations with people. It's, I've always, and I've started to try to figure out what words to use. And I've, I've said that I, I'm, I'm just a vessel. It's, it's really, I, I'm a vessel for wanting to bring great greatness to people who I know don't see the greatness in them. That's the reason you're here sharing your story, having this conversation because somebody, and here's the other thing to me, if it's one person, that's enough. That's enough for me. It's not about reaching a certain number or a certain threshold. It's about waking up. And if you impact one person, you could change everything. I mean, I, I feel blessed every day. I have conversations with people in a, in a jewelry store, in a grocery store, and I know that that's changing something in me in that few minutes that I talked with them. So I, I know the power that can happen just from moments like this. And I don't sometimes know if I choose the right words, um, but that's why. <laughs> and, and if you know? I, a couple things, I don't know if I can remember them. It, it goes back to when we're talking about that. Like I'm thinking again, you know, you know, the male hero's journey of conquering them, you know, whatever. And what I realized is I wanted to, I wanted to get rid of my ego so I'd be spiritual. But now I realize every time I step in ego, I step out of love. I step out of presence. And I don't want to do that. I want to be like you in the jewelry store, in the Walmart, with the prime. I just want to be, you know, I, I, I kidded one of my clients yesterday and said, you're a roving ambassador of goodwill without portfolio. You know, that's what I want to be. I just want to be a ambassador of love. And so ego puts me in, takes, it's not bad. It's just, it's a different vibration. And that's what you say. You just want to continue to live in that vibration, whether it's one or a million people that are hearing you. And I want to add a, a bit of a male perspective to what maybe traditional male perspective on mm -hmm. getting, because I'm the same way. I made commitments. You know, when I held my daughter, we adopted my daughter 20 hours after she was born. I'm holding, and I said, you're my, my beloved daughter. I love and protect you all the days of my life. What does that mean? I'm going to leave her mother. I promise God, you know, I'll be here forever. And one thing that Julie that I want to mention is that Julie and I independently, not even knowing the other existed, 
in the midst of these marriages that we were staying in out of a sense of obligation or fear or whatever was that we weren't going to live without love. We both said to ourselves without knowing the other existed that we weren't going to live without love. And I think that is a, I'll just let it sit with that because I can see you, you, you got it. And I trust the people listening get it too. That's a declaration you're making to life. And then. Well, I think does just to interrupt for a second. I feel that that those moments each of us had independent of each other were so pivotal that, you know, if we could see the way the universe works, I think we would have seen everything like pivot on its axis in that moment when we made that declaration. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that life just pivoted right then and there and yeah. aimed us toward each other. And of course we have yeah. no idea. Yeah, the universe conspired. It did, mm-hmm. it, we had to conspire with it. We had to give our consent to be a, a co-conspirator. And, and one other short piece that I, it occurred to me as we were talking, my own experiences, yeah, I was staying out of a sense of obligation. I'm, you know, I made a promise, by the way, and that's all true. But you know, really, I realized when Julie came into my life, what I really had to let go of by letting go of my marriage was my narrative of my, my self-narrative of being a tragic figure. That was courageous. Because I said, oh, I'm in a, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a, I'm a martyr. I'm staying in this, ter- you know, I've done this and I've done that. And people need to be honest. You know, it really behooves us to be honest with ourselves and see how much of what's keeping us in is just inertia, is fear. And is the narrative we have that we don't know what to have. I didn't know what to do. to. I didn't know how to be happy. It was so, it was frightening to me. What do you do when you, you know, when the cat, when the dog catches the car? You know, I caught the damn car. I didn't know what to do with it. And so this is where courage isn't just, you know, bear, you know, whatever we think it is. A lot of times it's just being honest enough to say, I don't know who the hell I'm going to be if I'm not miserable. Yeah. Radical self-acceptance. <laughs> like hey, You got it. That's, that's it. That radical self-acceptance and even accepting the fact that we're not radically self-accepting ourselves right now. Yeah. That's just another part of it. Oh, I'm not radically, I'm not ready yet. I got to do more. No, no. You accept your, your, the radical self-acceptance is whatever capacity you have to accept and appreciate and love and welcome yourself and your experience in the moment. That's the perfect part. Yeah. And do my, you know, and and that, that kind of brings me to your process because I know that in all of the years that you've made mistakes, learned from them, grown from them, you do have a process. So when someone comes to you, in despair or in question and wanting to, you know, figure some things out like many of us do at different times of our life. What can you share more about that process that you would walk someone through? Well, if I gave you a process, she would kick me three times under the, under the, <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't like five. My, when I do something, the three steps to this or the five steps to that, I can give you data points. Data I can points. tell you what the data points. Okay. So, one is that I, I was very fortunate. We don't, we don't have the time or the, or the, or the whatever, but I was, I had someone very dear to me say to me, when I see you, I see only perfection. And I knew that was true. I couldn't square it with all the, my, you know, my bill of particulars and all the indictment I have of myself for being self-reflective for all those years. But I see, like, I see you, I just see perfection. And so one, I can't tell you, you know, is that part of the process? Is that just who I am? I hold that space and it's true. 
It's not like a mantra or like, well, let's create some alternative reality. No, no, you're perfect. So first I, I see that, I know it, I hold that space. And, and something, you know, so that, that's, that's the most important thing. I just hold them in love and I hold them in perfection. And then, hold on, I want to say something about that. Yeah. So again, this is where being an empath comes in because I'm sure you've had this experience that, do you know how many times in my life growing up, I would see people, but I would see them in their wholeness and their perfection. I didn't realize that other people didn't see people the same way, you know? And then I could see how their quest to be, you know, their ego-driven quest, which we all have egos, you know, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but took them away from who they are. So, so like it did, they didn't square the life that I would see people living didn't square with who I saw them as because I could see them in their wholeness, in their perfection, in their, their souls. And that's what David's, you know, that's what he's talking about. And, um, we can, some of us, some people have that ability and we just don't know that that's maybe a way that we can live our lives. Mm-hmm. And then others of us can learn to see people in their perfection. You know, it's just seeing the soul of a person mm-hmm. or David might say the heart, it, you know, it's, it's both. It's not either or. All right. Go on with your yeah, particular. Yeah, well, I'm good. I'm already, I'm, <laughs> I've got amnesty for all my stuff. The, and then and, and one, and I'll give you an example from yesterday where work and he's, a, he's someone I haven't seen for 35 years to saw something I posted on social media and came back and we're working together, whatever you want to call it, collaborating together. And I'm, I'm, I'm on this radical self-acceptance thing. And I just said, how do you see the way he loves his wife? That's the model. He only sees perfection. He's patient. He understands the wounds that caught, you know, there's something that we love and whatever it is that we love is the model for we know how to do that with ourselves. We know the process, even if we don't know how to apply it to ourselves. So one, it's 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 being able to to sense and draw out that which we already love, that that way that we already are living in that perfection of seeing the perfection, living in that perfection. You know, and you know, and again, I don't need to tell you this. She, Julie and I live real lives. We don't always, you know, this we don't always agree on things. You know, we can get into a whole other thing of how we resolve or how we, you know, how we want to work with this. But anyway, so one, so I think having that model for love and having some way that you can then not just show them, but actually have them be able to tap that vein of love. And then I'd say a big one I talk about pulling, pulling thorns out of lines, pause, is with everyone, there's something I say the punishment doesn't fit the crime. There's the smallest things trigger the biggest responses in us, right? And, and then when, when I, and I see that discrepancy, I can often just feel it immediately. But pretty soon you start seeing, oh, wait a minute, this is a wound. And taking everyone as with wounds, not necessarily, you know, being so wounded you can't, but knowing that that wound is what's causing that reaction, that response, and then being able to start unpacking whatever that whatever that looks like. And, you know, often this is happening more and more, and you know, because we're, we're going deep, I'll go deep. A lot of times I feel relatives that have passed that are just in their world that are just come, you know, literally I'll just say, what is, do you have anybody in your life that you really cared about that passed away or something like that? You know, that is also like, and I guess this gets to something else is that we were all in a multidimensional partnership. 
You know that. So just get if, if someone comes to me and they, they don't buy that or they won't. I can't I can't help them because I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, I'm just not the guy that's going to be able to change everything, that whatever can be able to lead them to where they need to go. So just being receptive and being a, a participant and whatever that more, it doesn't mean you're talking to, you know, dead people all the time. It just means that you're sensitive to how the universe, which is just love and wants nothing but what's best for us. I'm lucky I have it next to me, right? That knowing that that which wants best for us is it wants the best for them and being able to start opening to them. And then it's a love journey. And sometimes it's 30 days and sometimes it's long. You know, it doesn't matter. I never know. I just play my part upon the stage and move on. But I leave them. I, I leave everyone better than I found, just like you do. I just leave everyone better than I found them. Uh, and just because I love them. And it's so much because she loves me. I just, it's, it, and it is so powerful. And I was tearing, I was trying to hold back my tears because I think as empaths, and that's what's so special about this conversation, it's exactly how you described it, Julie. You see people in a certain light that, that oftentimes they don't see themselves and others don't see them, but you see it, you know, yeah. and it's, it, it's, it's, it, it is in within us all. Mm -hmm. And, and like Dave said, you, you have to get through the wounds, pick out the thorns, you know, because we all, we all have scars, but, but they become scars after they heal. Right. And we know what we've learned from them and they make us, like you said, you, they open us up to more love. And you if know? I quote, there's a quote from Panache Desai, who Julie and I listen to every morning. And he said that, the traumas that we chose become the connection points we share. So every little broken heart, that, you know, and, and I say we chose, meaning let's assuming that we chose and we came down here, that's what we're going to do. Every one of those just opens us up to more to greater and greater love. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you both a, a few questions that kind of help open up people getting to know you. Um, my first one is what makes you unbreakable? What makes the two of you unbreakable? Are you asking that each of us individually or as a couple? It could be both, depending on how you feel. You take the question. I I know with a capital K that our our love is indestructible, and I will. I just heard me tell this story before, but I shortly before I met Julie, I I finally had a you know I had a, a deep immersion in into consciousness and i look for the limits of, that's how i said whoa this is big you know i wonder where the edges are and there were no edges and that's how i knew it was infinite and i had to look to the edges to find the infinity and that's i look for the edges of our love and i cannot find it wow i want that on a t-shirt <laughs> i want that in your life the hell with a t-shirt that's so good i love that <laughs> that's beautiful that was amazing. I don't just say that because it sounds good. I actually, I, I, I see she's trying to sweet. I don't need to sweet talk anymore. She's, no, I feel uh, that. So these are our experiences. The words come from the experience, not you know. The words are not hollow. Yeah, they're I not because they sound good. But that sounded really good, David. You Thanks. did a good job. Good. Those for Dave. <laughs> yeah, that no, that's beautiful. Okay, well, what about a bucket list item? What's on your bucket list? Something you want to do that you haven't done? Uh, 
process of doing this. So it's not that it, you know, I, I'm doing it some, but I so look forward to the day when I have such complete trust in life that I wake up every morning just excited for what the day is going to bring me and navigate through it, just allowing the day to meet me where I am. You know, not, not planning, not having my own ideas about what I want it to look like, where I just live in the moment, just accepting and relishing whatever life brings me in that moment. And, you know, I'm a lot closer to that than I was a year ago. And, and it's, it's an exciting, it's a very exciting journey. And I get to do it with this man. That's exciting. We do everything together. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be able to get this out without crying. So just, it's your own damn fault for asking the question. But honestly, when you said that, the only thing that I thought is I just want to see you as happy as we are. That's all I want in this moment. That makes me happy to hear that. Oh. I say that you're not. I just want you. To, I just want the, us to sit around and laugh like hell. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. I'm okay. So I'll have you answer for each other. Mm. Okay. So, Dave, what would you say is one of Julie's superpowers? She's her mother. Her maternal. She's the, she's the divine mother, and she is a phenomenal mother in her body. I, I, I knew that from the moment her, her ether came into the frame. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, that, that's a vibration that you carry um, even before you share the story about your children. Um, Julie, what about you? What would you say is one of Dave's superpowers? He can, uh, he's done this several times today with you already. He can really feel what is present in a person's life or heart, um, even before they've spoken it. Uh, he, you know, he feels it. He feels it in his being and he can speak to it. It's part of what makes him just so phenomenal at what he does. is Because you know, we don't always know the things that are chasing us around in the dark, right? No, but David can, he can dial in on them and oftentimes speak to them before someone's even aware of it themselves. That's powerful. That is a superpower. Yeah, it is. That is a superpower. What about a self-limiting belief? What's a self-limiting belief that each of you have had that you've had to overcome over time? Well, mine the one that feels biggest to me right now in this moment is the one I spoke of earlier which is me just me being more aligned with my authentic nature than I realized but judging it as wrong you know that I was wrong I was not making the right choices that I wasn't likable lovable I was never you know all of that because it didn't look like everyone else's yeah and I felt like I was wrong that and i would say again i'm taking the present present is that the residual conviction that 
I have to guess right in every moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. If there was a last piece of advice that you could give to anybody who's listening, what, what would it be? you were going to say. I have like five flashed yeah, in my mind. Right. It's hard to pick one. It's like a favorite child. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I, I, wait, I got uh, mine. You got, go, 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 go. Because this goes, this goes along with your born unbreakable. Um, it's a little bit off the topic of what we've mostly talked about today, but all things work for good. Um, it's true. Now, if people can't believe that, if they've heard it, but they don't buy it, they can't believe it, just, you know, I tell my kids sometimes, because I've raised them with that, all things work for good, all things work for good, all things work for good. You, if you can't find the good, the good will be revealed. All, all things work for good all the time. Um, if you can't believe that in the moment, just, just let those words ring in your mind. You know, let your, sometimes our brains are good for things. You know, let your brain tell you all things work for good. All things work for good um, because it's true. And when we know that, it can just get us through anything. It, you know, we are unbreakable. When you know all this too is leading me to something good, better, a life that I can't imagine, more authentically who I am. You just have to keep moving. You have to keep taking the next step and the next step. And then before you know it, you'll be living it. But we all have difficult times. And sometimes just having that trust and that faith that this is working for my good. And maybe in the darkness, I can't see it, but the light will come and reveal it all. And it's just true. It's true. It's not just good words. It's true. I love that. And I believe that. So I have a, a bunch of favorite children here as well. And I think this is a, well, I, actually it's a two-part. And the first is that it's taking off on hers is life wants what you most want, except better. Julie was described to me as the deepest dream I didn't even know I was dreaming. So dream your dream. It's good to dream dreams, but know that life wants something for you that's better than anything you can dream. And that gets into the second piece, which is that everything that we most want resides in the unknown. And I'll just leave it at that. There's some, I could, I could write a treatise on that. But just like us getting together here today, we didn't know what to expect. If we'd have had all these mm -hmm. ideas, we'd have come with ideas and, oh, you're a podcaster. We're interview guests. We could talk about this. We could talk what we want. We're trying to get this. We're, we're just responding to life and seeing what unbelievable mm -hmm. thing resides in the unknown. And that is the beautiful and true way to live. So thank yeah. you, so and it much for really this is. Moment, these moments. Thank you. I mean, this the, this presence. energy. 
It's been amazing. And, and, you know, it's like this gift that keeps on giving <laughs> when I, when I'm able to have space like this and you, it, and you know, you, you're better than when you came, you know, and that's, and, um, you, sh you share in this thinking, I have this thinking that, um, if people recognize that in the interactions and in the moments and the experiences, how, how much beauty and abundance could, could we all experience if we, if we truly embrace the power of, of that betterment. Um, so I, I, I know that I am better, <laughs> you, you know, leaving this conversation. And I hope that anybody who's listening, um, feels the same way. Uh, and I appreciate for two busy folks with kids and so many other things that you're doing in your life that you've decided to take the time today <laughs> to share with me. I appreciate you both. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know how, how to break this love fest. It's like when we used to get on the phone when we were I was living in Raleigh and she was in Chapel Hill and it'd be three in the morning and I said, Okay, one, two, three, hang up. That's what this gotta be. It's gotta be where no one wants to break the field. I know, just one, two, three. Okay. <laughs> this is but amazing. It's, it's really oh talking to you. And yeah, we we are also leaving this conversation different and, and grateful for the, the changes that you're making. And us, for who you are, with Thank that beautiful smile, those sparkly Thank white teeth. Thank you for recognizing my my dental, <laughs> uh, you know, choices. <laughs> I love that. Uh, well, I'm I'm excited for people to follow uh, you, and I'm putting your book and your website in the show notes so people can be touched by the gifts that both of you bring to the world. So thank you again for coming on the well, show. I would say just the, the best way to reach us is it's it, either Dave at DaveGold.com, D-A-V-E-G-O-L-D, or Julie, J-U-L-I, no E. So whatever, if people, just whatever they want, whatever they feel called to, if anything. And then again, you're the gift that keeps on giving right there in their backyard. So there's an abundance of riches here. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Enjoy the sun that you're now getting. Well, we were. <laughs> now the rains are coming again. doesn't matter. All right. The it's sun, not yet. The sun will come up again. <laughs> thank you I both. Yes. It was so amazing to have Julie and Dave on the show. My first couple together, and we certainly had very strong empathic energy. If there's anything that you know about empaths, or maybe it might be the first time you're learning today, we feel other people's energy very strongly, uh, it, especially when we're in the presence of one another and even virtually because we are very keen on reading things like facial expressions, uh, body movement, things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool to share in that space with others who understand energy and how it, it just, it moves us, it moves us. So 
So much that I took away uh, from my conversation with Dave and Julie, but uh, just a few quick things. You know, the first thing is is to recognize your greatness and your capacity to love despite the challenges, the hardships, the strife, the agony, the trauma that you've experienced. I know if you are going through something right now, it might be hard to feel those words because what you might be feeling is pain and anguish, but know, know that better is waiting for you. Don't give up on hope. Don't give up on dreams and know that there's always the better next thing coming. And I truly believe in what Dave said is that the, the, the best and the beauty is in the unknown. And so often it is what we fear. We fear the unknown because we don't have control. And so that is another message is around presence. Are you present? That is something that I cannot stress enough. And I may have said this before and I'm repeating myself for those of you who have tuned into other episodes, but if there is one thing that I can tell you that will help you see beauty in the world is to be present at every moment. It's very easy to be distracted. One of the beautiful things I love about doing this podcast is the reminder of when I'm engaging with guests is to be present and fully hear them embrace the moment and walk away learning something new, being a person who is committed to getting better and better because I don't know everything and I won't know everything even when I, my physical body isn't on the planet anymore. So it's my commitment every day to keep on fueling myself with new knowledge, new information. And if you're present, you will have that gift too all day long, but it's just a matter of appreciating it. Know that life is a school. What I mentioned, those conversations when you're, you know, if you're in a Starbucks line, if you're shopping, you're interacting with people, take those moments, those interactions, those conversations, you can learn so much from the people around you if you just take the time to take that in. Don't walk around with blinders on. We walk around sometimes just tuning things out, being in our own little isolated world. Take the world around you in. Yes, there are things that are maybe negative that you don't want to take in, but if you see the good, good will come. So I hope that you feel inspired. If you have gone through heartbreak or what you might call a failure, fail forward. Know that more is coming because look at Dave and Julie, 62 Dave is living his best days uh, and even better than when he was making all of the money and had all of those successes because he's truly living in his purpose and living in love. 
at that stage of his life. So hopefully this gives you some perspective. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action. Take action today because tomorrow is not promised. I appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe or the follow button so you don't miss any future episodes of the Born Unbreakable podcast. And if you're so inclined, leave a rating and review. It does mean a lot and it helps people to find this podcast. I have to say that I'm very excited. This has nothing to do with anything but my excitement. This is like a PS. I bought a ticket to CrimeCon Las Vegas this weekend. Thank you to my really good childhood friend, Renee, who told me about it. I have a very busy weekend, but I am going to fit that in wherever I can because you know now, if you hadn't before, that I am a true crime fan. I listen to true crime every day and there's going to be such awesome people from podcasts, from crime podcasts, from Dateline, from all these amazing shows and experiences um, in the crime space. Um, And I, as much as I can, I'm going to try to soak that in. So if any of you are going to be there, let me know and maybe I will see you there. All right. See you next time on the next episode.